0: Tonight, maybe see if you'd like to, if your Bibles, or you can read from the screen this evening, and uh, you good to go? Cool? All right, so we are going to be in Matthew chapter 14 this, this evening. Matthew in chapter 14 is where we're going to be, and uh, once you get there, guys, we'll go ahead and uh, get started with the message this evening. Again, as already mentioned, you can read from the screen or from your Bibles tonight, whichever is most convenient for you, but Matthew chapter 14. Matthew in chapter fourteen, we're looking at verse twenty two through thirty one. The Bible says in straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship, and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away he went up into a mountain apart to pray. When the evening was come he was there alone, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him, and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou? doubt father in heaven we pray a special blessing upon the reading of your word tonight we ask you for this evening dear lord to speak to our hearts help us dear lord as we begin to look at this topic this evening lord help us apply it into our life each and every day dear god and when those winds begin to uh, to bat upon, across our our life and in in our steps lord interrupting our day let us think on this verse let us think on these words let us think on this message tonight lord that we may better apply it into our life in jesus name we ask amen <coughs> we're familiar with this this uh this story. in one way, shape, form, or fashion, we're all familiar with um Jesus walking on the water. We're all we all know about that. We've either seen it on on the telly, we've seen it in movies, we've seen it in paintings. I mean, most people in the world today have have some type of uh, uh, of image and of the story of Jesus Christ walking on water. Again, like I said, it's been depicted in paintings, it's used in movies, uh, uh, you, it's placed in songs, and whether it be gospel hymns or even secular. This particular story that occurs here, in recorded in Matthew fourteen, we find so often uh, in our reading. Very very simple very simple uh message that we we see here tonight but the fact that peter the fact that we we don't understand and we don't hear much about is that peter walked on water as well now you don't hear much about that often you, you don't hear the fact that peter defied gravity and, and the science of liquid we just don't hear about that you don't hear it preached on very rarely do you hear about P- peter walking on water you're got to ask yourself this question did he do so of his own power no not at all it was the Lord who allowed uh, this to take place, and he did so for one particular reason. He did it to place and to prove a massive point in Peter's life, one of which we all here tonight suffer from in uh, some point in our life or some day or another. And guys, that's dealing with doubt, dealing with doubt. Uh, We all deal with it, guys. And the New Testament gives us a multitude of examples of those who have experienced doubt in their life. And it's a common occurrence. And and we may not like to admit it. We may not like to face it. But it is a reality. Uncertainty is a common human emotion. And 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 dealing with it uh, uh, can at times be complicated. And many times it can be complex when you're trying to deal with some form of doubt in your life. Now, here's one of the issues that we need to understand tonight, guys. In reality, there are some misconceptions about doubt. Uh, You know, some people will say that Christians never doubt, and that can't be, that's nowhere near the truth. I mean, this is, this is far from the truth because, because many Christians not only doubt, but most Christians will doubt uh, in some way, shape, or fashion on a daily basis, guys. And they may not doubt Jesus Christ. They may not doubt the validity of the Word of God. They may not doubt their eternal security or their destination. But they'll doubt something. And having doubt in areas of one life. one's life does not constitute denial. That's one thing that I want. If you get anything out of this tonight... One thing that I want you to understand that as a Christian, even though you may have doubt in your life, and no matter what kind of doubt it may be, it doesn't constitute a denial in your life. Secondly, we find that some people will say, well, true believers never doubts. And again, uh, guys, uh, it, it, this is not negating the permanent decision that a person has made to, to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior just because doubt enter ends. That doesn't mean that. There are times when doubt comes into a man, a woman, or a child's heart and mind. Most of the time, that doubt is a result of nothing on their own part. Nothing that you've done yourself. So what's the root cause of doubt tonight? Why do we, why do we uh, as mankind, as human beings, why do we doubt in our life? Well, the bottom line is this, guys, we all doubt, we all doubt in our life when we take our eyes and we place them on the situation in this life. When we place them on situations, in verse 28, and you can read it from the screen, this is what we find. It says, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Now, I want you to notice something in the verse there. Peter's opening statement is if. That's a conditional term. It's a very small word, but a, a very large meaning. He says if. What does that word constitute? If, the, When the word if is used, what does it constitute in Peter's life? It constitutes doubt. Doubt in some shape, form, or fashion. If it be you, hey, Lord, if this is you, the creator of all things, the savior of mankind, the Messiah, the miracle worker, if it be you walking on the water, bid me to come. In other words, prove me. Prove it that it's you. Now, guys, Here's the thing about it. We think in our life, and we tend to think, especially in certain circles today, we think that um, that if we just would see certain things, we'd never have doubt in our life. If we could just see miracles happen, if we could just see all of these things happen. Guys, Peter had just witnessed Jesus Christ take five loaves of bread and two fishes and feed 5,000 men. And that's not all who ate. Verse 21 that you see on the screen says, Beside women and children. So if you figure there's one man, uh, one one woman per man, two children at least uh, per couple, that's the feeding of 5,000 now, as we've titled it, has turned into 20,000, if not more. Much, much more. I mean, so we sit here and think, well, if I could see something miraculous happen, if I could see this, 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 I'd never doubt a day of my life. Yeah, you would, because Peter did. He just saw... Twenty-some-odd thousand people get a full meal out of five pieces of bread and two fish. Not only that, guys, leading up to this occurrence, leading up to the two fish and five loaves miracle, and the walking on the water, Peter witnessed Jesus Christ turn water into wine in John chapter 2. First miracle he did in the wedding of Cana. He he witnessed Jesus heal the official son in John 4. He witnessed Jesus drive out an evil spirit in Mark 1. He witnessed Jesus heal Peter's mother and his own mother-in-law in in Matthew 8, Mark 1, and Luke 4. Jesus heals many sick at the evening in uh, Matthew 8, Mark 1, and Luke 4 again. The first miraculous catch of fish that we see in Luke chapter 5. Uh, The cleansing of a man with leprosy in Mark 8, Mark 1, and Luke 5. He heals a centurion's servant again in Mark eight and Luke five. He heals a man's withered hand. Mark twelve. Uh, I'm sorry, Matthew twelve, Mark three, and Luke six. I mean, he raises the widow's son in name in Luke chapter seven. Jesus calms the sor- the storm in Matthew eight, Mark four, and Luke eight. He cast out devils into a herd of, of swine in Matthew eight, Mark five, and Luke chapter eight. He heals a woman in the crowd, Matthew 9, Mark 5, and Luke chapter 8. He uh, raises Jairus' daughter to life in Matthew chapter 9 and Mark 5 and, and again Luke chapter 8. He heals two blind men in, Mark, in Matthew chapter 9. He heals a man who's unable to speak in Matthew chapter 9. And he heals an invalid at Be- as Bethsaida in John chapter 5. One of the greatest stories of all. This guy had been laying by that pool of Bethsaida for all these years. 30-something years this guy could not move. No one could help him. Waited for that angel to come there and move in the water. And then somebody would beat him down there and, and that person would receive the healing. And the Lord just said, get up, take your bed. Dude got up and took his bed. Now Peter witnessed all of these things. He saw every single one of these miracles. And yet Peter is still the one going, hang on now. Hang, hang on. If it's you, bid me to come. Prove yourself to me. All of this happened before the night on the ship. All of this happened, and and just, again, the miraculous feeding just hours prior to this. And yet Peter, instead of focusing on the voice and the figure of Christ, he focused on the situation. Do you know what he was focusing on? He was focusing on the fact that a man, flesh, bone, and blood, was defying the law of gravity. (laughs) He's like, hang on, man. That can't be happening. Again, I, I know I'm kicking a dead cat here. He just fed twenty some thousand people with, you know, a few uh, with uh, two fishes and five loaves of bread, but now he's one, he needs it proved to him that's Jesus walking on the water, saying, "If it be thou, are you sure you can do? that? Are you sure you can defy uh, gravity, even though you've done all of these things leading up to that night?" He's denying the solubility of water, my friend. If it be thou, you see, guys, this is where herein herein lies doubt in our life. Peter's doubting, it's doubt by the one who would, who would, Peter, you look at, let me back up just a little bit, because I want to make sure you understand, when doubt comes into your life, that's not something that necessarily is, and that means there's something wrong with you, it means that you're human, okay, because this is an individual doubting, this was actually Jesus Christ on the water, who will later on receive the kings of the kingdom, this is someone doubting who would later on deny Jesus Christ three times and yet lose his discipleship for three days and yet be welcomed back into Christ's open arms and receive grace, exemplifying the goodness of the grace of God. That's the one who's doubting on the ship that day. So I'm saying all that to make this point. Is if Peter doubted, who's going to receive the kingdom, the keys to the kingdom. If Peter doubted, who received the greatest grace you can ever see, denied Jesus Christ three times as Christ said, we're going to doubt. Amen. We, we often think that, well, you know, I wouldn't do this if I sold all these things. Well, Jesus Christ just said to him, he says, Wherefore didst thou doubt? You've seen everything that I've done. And now you want me to prove that it's me walking on the water? You don't think that I can walk on the water? The whole reason Peter doubted wasn't because he was a lesser man or a lesser human being. He doubted because his eyes were on the situation. His eyes was on the guy that was made out of flesh and bone and was walking on this water. and said, well, hang on a second. That just can't be him. That just can't be real. That can't be uh, Jesus, the one that's done all these other things. His eyes were on the situation and not where they belonged. Do you understand? Secondly, we find another reason and root of doubt is that our focus becomes on our surroundings. And... I think oftentimes, oftentimes, when we begin to focus on what's around us, what's going on around us, the struggles, the situations that we are currently in at the present moment, this is when doubt begins to rear its ugly head. You know, we, uh, you know, whether you're you're looking for a house and you can't find the house that you want, whether you're trying to build a business and you just don't understand why it won't move like it should, whether you whether you know you're trying to make your marriage as best as it can, and sometimes there's just these different roadblocks. and and what happens, rather than taking the focus and put it where it should be, we begin to look at the surroundings. And I want you to keep in mind, Peter, before he got out of that boat, questioned the Lord by focusing on the situation. That was the first problem. He doubted the one who healed all the folk and raised the dead and Fed the thousand could actually walk on liquid service, and that gave a result of him getting out of the boat himself and defying gravity. God, and what did the Lord said? He said, Come. Peter said, If it be thou, bid me to come. The Lord just simply said, Come. We said that in the next verses, Matthew uh, in verses 29 and verse 30, first part of verse 30. I want you to watch this. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, watch this, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now stop there for just a second. Now he's doing what he just questioned the Messiah doing if it be you tell me you tell me to come on so he got out of the water and he started walking now guys I want I, I got to be honest with you this would blow my mind if I got on out on the water and I started walking on the water I would absolutely posit it would blow my my mind man okay but Peter's doing it he questioned the Lord he's looking on the situation at first now We find that his struggle, verse 30, and when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Guys, the greatest times of human doubt occur in our life when the storms begin to rage and we take our attention, our energy, and our focus on them rather than the goal or the task at hand. You know one thing I'm always cautious about? I'm always cautious when the news focuses on one thing. When that's all you hear. When you're only hearing about this one particular issue or this one thing happening in the world or this one thing happening in the community. When it's just solely about that. I look at that and I think about how wolves hunt. You know, the Bible tells us that that there will be grievous wolves. The Bible tells us clearly that there's going to be wolves that come out and they're sparing not the flock, it says. You know how a wolf hunts? You know one of the things if you're and of course I doubt you're gonna be I don't think we have wolves in this country, but I've seen a lot of foxes lately, but anyway. A wolf, if you see the wolf, that's not the one you need to worry about. Wolves hunting packs. The one that you see, that's not the one you need to be concerned about. He's a distraction. He's having you focus in on him while the other two or three are flanking you from the side and behind. That's where the attack comes from. Can I submit this thought to you this evening? This is the same thing that happens with doubt. Doubt wants you to start focusing on your surroundings. What's going on right here? What's in front of what, what What's drawing my attention away from where it should be? And all of a sudden now, I, get, I see these storms that are coming in, guys, and these, these boisterous winds that start banging upon our own life. And, and the Bible says that Peter was afraid. This is exactly what Peter experienced. Guys, he just simply lost the plot. Not because of gravitation of pull, but because he lost his focus and he put it upon the storm. Guys, can I say this to you tonight? The storms of life are going to come. They're going to happen. You know, whether we like it or not, they're not enjoyable. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that. I, I don't know anyone who says, woohoo, can't wait to go to the next storm. I, I don't know anyone that would do that. But they are a reality of life. They're going to happen. Small storms, big storms. They're going to happen. But did you know something? Quite often they're actually needed. Storms are needed in our life. They're part of this life which causes us, or at least should cause us, to draw closer to the Lord, letting go of what we're trying to control, when in reality we cannot do it, and putting our focus upon Him. The Lord is not always interested in removing the storm. But more so, having us trust him fully and faithfully through the storm. We want the storm to go away, don't we? What we want to say is, man, take this thing from us. And the Lord says, now, you just trust me in the middle of it. You know, early in the the Lord's ministry, they got on this ship, the Sea of Galilee, which is the Tiberias Sea there. They get on this ship, and the Lord went down below, and he he went and took a nap. That's another part I just love. He went, he he was tired. He said, I'm gonna go take a nap. And this raging storm comes in, this great tempest out of nowhere. Now the Sea of Galilee is known for storms happening quite quickly, just out of nowhere. Nice and beautiful day, then boom, the storms just start to hit. And the they're, they're toiling and they're working and they're laboring and they're trying to fight against this storm. And they actually go downstairs into the ship and they go to the Lord and says, The Lord, you know, cares not that we perish? Man, don't you care that we perish? We're going to die here in the midst of this storm. You're down here sleeping, man. And he got up and he, again, rebuked them for the lack of faith. And he said, you know, peace be still. Boom, instant calmness, right? But you know what we would have, what we would want to do? We would want the Lord to come up there and take the ship and move it away from the storm. Now, here's the interesting part of the Sea of Galilee. If you look at a map, you have the Sea of Galilee sat here. All right, and then you have a, a tributary. You have a river that runs off of that, known as the River Jordan, the famous River Jordan. Now, the River Jordan, in reality, and the majority part of that river, is one of the fastest moving rivers in the, in the in the world. As a matter of fact, oftentimes vegetation struggles to grow on the banks of the Jordan River simply because simply because the water is moving too fast to enable uh, the vegetation to grow and, and to and, and to to thrive. Okay. And so, you know, often, you know what we want? We want to work and work and work. And we want, Lord, get us out of the storm. Get us out of the storm. Get us away from here. And we want to get off the Sea of Galilee. And we want to go get on that river Jordan and get away from the storm. And then we want to sit back as the, as the boat just carries it on sail because the water's moving around. Do you know what's at the bottom of the Jordan River? Can anybody tell me where it leads? The Dead Sea, where nothing grows. Matter of fact, it's one molecule away from a solid. We were there in two thousand five and even me, I was able to get in that thing and, and, and literally stand up inside the water. I mean, I'm bobbing up and down, but my feet aren't touching anything at the bottom and that, that that salt would get up around my neck and I didn't have a beard then and it would hit where you shaved that morning. It was might may as well have been petrol I and mean, you might as well just took a match and lit yourself on fire. It burned, but it was an exhilarating deal. You see, we want to get away from the storms and God said, No, well, I'm not interested in you getting away from the storms. I'm interested in you trusting me in the storms. So stay on the ship. Stay on the Sea of Galilee and trust me throughout the storm. This is what Peter's done this day. Peter's got out of the boat. He stepped on the water. He says, okay, here we go. Uh, You know, I didn't trust the Lord at first that it was really him. But now this wind is boisterous. Now this storm is going. Now he's afraid because the Bible clearly tells us. But when he saw the wind boisterous, guess where he wasn't looking? He wasn't looking at Jesus Christ. He's looking at the storm, man. But I'm going to tell you right now, when you take your eyes off Christ and you get it on your surroundings, you're going to doubt everything. You're going to doubt your reason. You're going to doubt your purpose. You're going to doubt your plan, your place. You're going to doubt everything. There is no super Christian. There is no super spiritual being in, uh, in on this planet today that when they take their eyes off of Jesus Christ and they begin to put them on the surroundings, on the storms at hand, that's going to get through that without some form of doubt. The Lord's not always interested, in, again, to remove us from the storm. He just wants us to trust faithfully and fully in the storm. But the Lord says unto Peter, Wherefore didst thou doubt? Peter's not a spring chicken. This is not his first go-around. This is not the beginning of the ministry anymore. Peter has witnessed many, many, many miracles. He's seen the Lord do all kinds of things. He has preached the God. He's done a load of things up until this point right now. And yet he still doubts. I'll say this to you tonight as we go into our last point. There, there are et- internal reasons for our doubts. More often more often internal than they are external. Focusing on the situations, uh, the surroundings of our day. But, beloved, overcoming doubt or dealing with doubt, if you will, is made possible by the things that are constant in our life. Constant. In order to drive through doubt, our focus must be simply on the Savior. On the Savior tonight. We'll pick back up there in verse 30. The Bible says, But when he saw the wind boaster, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said, Hold on a little faith. Wherefore didst thou doubt? What or who, guys, is a constant in your life? Now, I want you to think about this long and hard, guys. We're, hey, listen, we're just about on the last page. We're about to say say goodbye to this message tonight. And before we turn this sermon off and, and go on about our business and have some fellowship or whatever we're going to do, I want you to ask yourself the question and answer it to the best of your ability. Who or what is a constant in your life? The reality of life is, guys, no matter what, things change. Right? People can have the greatest intentions in the world but I'm going to tell you right now, many will change. Even relationships, as sad as it is, they change many a times. I had a man tell me one time, by the, by the end of your days, you'll probably be able to count on one hand. That doesn't mean full either. Your true friends in this life. People change. But if you're going to deal with doubt tonight, if you're going to deal with doubt tomorrow, next week, week after, next month, throughout the year, your relationship is going to have to be rooted and grounded in something that is a constant. Something or someone that is a constant. Someone who never, ever changes. Malachi three six tells us, For I am the Lord. I change not. You notice in your your verse there how that Lord is spelt. That's all caps. A lot of times you'll see it capital L, then small caps O-R-D. That word right there literally means the self-existing, eternal one. It's where we get the personal name of God, Jehovah. See, doubt is a plague inflicting harm, causing damage in many people's lives. Um, but it, but there can be a difference. It can be dealt with appropriately. You can deal with it righteously. Uh, you, you guys, with doubt, by looking toward the one, the Savior, the one who is a constant, taking your eyes off the situation, and that doesn't mean, guys, you don't deal with the, uh, the, the problem. You work the problem. You can't stick your head in the sand and hope the problem goes away. I get that. But there's sometimes if you're hyper-focused on the situation and you're focused only on the surroundings and you don't have your your eyes on someone that is a constant, which is the Savior tonight, doubt's going to rear its ugly head in your life and it's going to render harm. It's going to inflict harm. He's the one that's comforted us in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, which simply tells us, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'm going to be honest with you tonight. There probably isn't one human being, I don't think there is one human being that can make that promise and keep it. We, we all have an expiry date in our life, don't we? I mean, we don't know how long we're going to live. We live 80 years, 90 years, 50 years, 40 years. We have no idea. So you can't make that promise that I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. You may never forsake your husband, your wife, your friend, your family member, your co-worker. But you can't promise you'll never leave him because you have an expiry date. His body's not going to last forever. But the Lord Jesus Christ is different. For the same Lord, the same God, who said, I, I am the Lord, I change not. The same Lord, same God, who says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. He is the constant. Guys, let me say this to you. He is the catalyst to remove doubt here and in the hereafter. He is the catalyst to drive through doubt in your relationships. He is the catalyst to drive through doubt in your workplace. He is the constant in your life so that you may deal with doubt in your daily life, your daily struggles, your storms, your surroundings, your situations. It's the Savior in our life who is our constant. He is our catalyst to move forward. He's our catalyst to press on. He's our catalyst to trust in. He is our reason that we can deal with doubt today. Now, I understand, guys, that there's all kinds of courses we can take and podcasts we can listen to. There's all kinds of stories and books that we can read that will help us for a a very small period of time to deal with the doubt in our life, to to push through and all this and that. But the reality is it's going to continue to come back. And no matter what mankind creates in their life today, it will never be a constant of what the Savior can be in our days today. The one who can take care of the here and now, And the one who has already taken care of the hereafter. And that's what we need to understand this evening, guys, because you are going to have doubts in your life. You're going to doubt things in your life. We made a decision just about ten years ago. Over ten years ago, now that I think about it. um, Just over. We made a decision to leave everything we've ever known uproot our entire family, sell what we have, and move to a a foreign country to plant churches. If you think that I didn't deal with doubt somewhere along the line in that situation, giving up a a job that we had, the business we had, the home that we had, the comfortable living my family had, a church that we had built. If you think doubt didn't come into my mind and my heart, oh, man. I can remember we were over here as preaching a meeting three weeks before I was leaving my business and stepping out by faith, going out full time not only in the ministry but on deputation, getting ready to move here, started work, started church. My my wife was at a ladies' uh, retreat and I was home, I was in this house by myself. We were actually here, I was up in Pineapple actually. Staying in a lady's house, and she had a Bible sat by her bed. She, nope, she had died. She left the house of the church. I'll make sure I preface that. And so the lady's Bible sat by the nightstand, and I was there by myself. And I'll tell you what, doubt started rolling into my life. Full blown, whatever you want to call it, doubt. I mm-hmm. mean, I grabbed that Bible and I opened up John 14. And for one hour I prayed. And I wept over that Bible. Now, no fuzzy lights went off. No shadows were seen. No mildew stains. None of those things popped out. And they don't need to. All right? Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. If something spectacular were to happen that night, I needed no faith. But what did happen was the spoken word to me. And the the ability to overcome fear in our life was solely associated with my relationship with the Son of God. And that's my Savior. So I'm here tonight, 11 years later, because how the Lord took that doubt from me and says, you know what, I got you back. I got you back here. So my friend, if you're dealing with doubt tonight, your answer is to not look at the situation. Your answer is not to do a seven steps to this. Your answer is not to look at the surroundings. Your answer is to look to the Savior and keep your eyes on him. You may not be dealing with doubt tonight, but you may deal with it tomorrow may deal with it this week i guarantee you sometime this year you're going to deal with it and when you do my prayer is this as you come back to these points and take your eyes off the situation work the problem for sure take your eyes off the situation take your eyes off the surroundings get them on the savior move forward and do the work that he's called you to do we bow your heads tonight father in heaven we do thank you for what you've done for us we thank you for the evening together we pray as we Close the message out, Lord, sing the final hymn of the evening and depart one another. I ask you, dear God, to allow this message, the words that you've given us, uh, to resonate inside of our hearts, inside of our mind, deep inside of our souls. I pray, dear God, that you would make a, a great and wonderful difference in our days. And, Father, as we do begin to struggle with the doubt that comes into our daily lives, I simply ask you to help us be mindful their eyes need to be on you and you alone father help us work the problem help us press forward help us put in the rear view what we need to dear god but most importantly this evening help us trust you in christ's precious name we ask these things tonight amen and amen i hope and pray this evening god's been good to you through the preaching and teaching of his word